0: In
1: section of scripture that gives us a commandment and it says, sing unto the Lord a new song and what that means is when you study it out is it means fresh so it doesn't mean that the song we've been singing is one you don't like but it means that he you wants know, a fresh one and he's been dealing with me that about that all week long because you know we get, we're creatures of habit we get used to doing the same way I park in the same parking spot at the store if it's open. Same side of the aisle, same place. I don't know. I just do it. But he's been dealing with me about a fresh song, fresh worship. And it's not that the worship that I'm giving him isn't isn't good. It's not that he doesn't like that. But he likes fresh worship. And I was thinking about this dryer that we had given to us. Our dryer went out, and we had a dryer given to us, and it was a dryer from a laundromat. <laughs> and it takes five quarters. And in order to get the dryer to work, you got to put five quarters in the slots. Somehow, this is the longest I've ever held on to money, somehow, <laughs> in over a year's time that we've had that dryer, we've had the same five quarters. <laughs> and we got a little Tupperware bowl, Sits inside, put those quarters in, hit that slot, they fall into the thing, and then when that load's done, and I come back the next day, I put freshly washed clothes and dryer. I take the same five quarters, and I put them in the same five slots, and I do it the same way. And I've been under conviction this week because feel like the Holy Ghost is telling me that that's the way my worship has become to Him. And it's not that He doesn't accept it. And you guys have seen me. I don't care. You're going to hear a little bit about a part of my testimony today. You'll probably understand after that why I don't care when it's worship time. I don't care. You ever look up here and don't see me? It don't mean I left the room. I might be laying on the floor or even in a suit jacket. don't matter. Because I know what he did for me. But, being a creature of habit, I get in the habit of doing it the same way all the time. I mean, most of y'all are sitting in the same seat, except for Lori. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're sitting in the same seat, I know where the wells are going to be. I know Nathan's going to be sitting next to my girlfriend. That's why I make him sit up front so I can watch him. Amen, <laughs> amen. I know Nelson's going to have the door held down. I'm good. That's good. I want him to stay there. I like the idea that if somebody comes in here, it's up to no good. they got to get through Nelson. Before they get to us. right? I like <laughs> but I pretty much know where all the rest of y'all are going to sit. And you probably parked in the same spot thing, If it was open. And we do the same thing in worship. Now understand. Ain't nothing wrong with sitting where you're sitting. Oh it's going to work. There's nothing wrong with parking where you park. It's going to work. But when it comes to God. Even though if you sit when you worship. That's fine. But. If you're wondering, well, how can I give God fresh worship? Well, if you always sit, stand. If you always stand, sit. If you always put your head down, close your eyes, put your head up and open them. If you never raise your hands, raise your hands. Well, we're commanded in the book to bring God something fresh to our worship. And when you've been living for it for a little while, it's again, it's not that he doesn't accept it. But he likes some fresh stuff every now and then. So you can come up some way today, give God some fresh worship, do it. He likes it. And you're in the right place with the right kind of worship to be able to do that. Amen. I'm going to get five new quarters. <laughs> and I'm going to put them in the slots in a different order. <laughs> wonderful. Yes, he is. Beautiful. Yes,
0: he is. He's glorious. Yes,
1: you are.
0: He's matchless in every yes, way. Are. Wonderful. Yes, wonderful. Yes, Beautiful. Glorious. Yes,
1: Morning with a couple of them. <laughs> Pulled in the parking lot and I told Kitty I said, look over there.
2: Amen.
1: Um, we're gonna change the order of the service and we're gonna take up the offering, and then we're gonna ask the Wells to sing a song for us. I'm gonna ask Nathan to come and help me today. Uh, it's funny because we I looked over at Kitty and I was thinking. Oh Man, we forgot our fancy offering Tuckerware thing. <laughs> and when I went to look at her to tell her that, she was already looking at me. And those of you who have been married for a while, I started and she said, I no. don't. <laughs> so I went out to look for it and I didn't find it. But fortunately enough for you, Hey, he brown it. Uh, It's a brown bag offering right here, folks. That's an antique (laughs) lunchbox. That's that's how we roll. That's right. It reminded me of one time we started the church up in Illinois, and we didn't have anything to take the offering in. And there was, I don't know, there was like nine or ten first-time visitors there. And so I asked this brother, I've learned never to do this. I've never done it again. I asked his brother, I said, hey, can you go find something take the offering up in He goes, oh, yeah, I got it. He goes, out back, and I pray over the offering. He comes back in with a laundry basket. And these first-time visitors are looking like, great, I know what kind of church this is. <laughs> yeah, needless to say, I've never asked anybody to go get something take the offering up in again. Nathan? would you pray over the offering Yeah, throw your preacher in there if you would Mm -hmm. not in the offering I mean in the prayer (laughs) Lord Jesus we just come to you today Lord Jesus thanking you for another opportunity to do it right Lord God Lord Jesus we just thank you for a free country to gather in Lord God that we don't have to hide in caves Lord Jesus and Lord God um
2: I I just ask that you move over everybody on the prayer yeah. list, yeah. And Lord, take these tithes and offerings to the good of your kingdom, Lord yes. God,
1: that they will be used for you and not man. Yeah. In Jesus' name, I pray. Yes. Amen. Amen. Trying to keep the bugs. <laughs> Jimmy one verse from there, but I, I do have one more thing that I'm going to ask all of you to pray about. Um, I want you to pray about an end-time Bible study series here. Uh, haven't taught one in a long time. Actually, it's been, well, 22 years. Uh, one thing I've learned over the years is when really terrible things are going on in our world or really frightening things, a lot of people that don't normally have any questions start having a lot of questions and they become open to the Gospel. The last time I taught this was right before Y2K. And if you don't remember, everybody was freaked out about Y2K. So I took advantage of that freak out and when they were all terrified and we had a Bible study series on the End Times. It was a ten week uh, Bible study series and we baptized (laughs) 27 people in that ten weeks. And so I want you to pray about that now because there are a lot of people that are starting to consider eternity because all of a sudden, you know, they don't have as much confidence in their own country and their own government as they used to have. So that's a good thing for the kingdom because it will make people turn their attention where they really should turn it anyway. So pray about that, okay? Revelation 12, just one verse today. Verse number 11. (laughs) I've missed you, Nathan. Praise God. 12 and 11 says and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb mm. that word overcame means conquer Means mm. they punked him out they punked him out by the blood of the lamb and this is the cool part and and by the word of their testimony Amen. see the blood is the testimony of the lamb Man. That's part of his testimony, <clears throat> but we got a testimony too that can conquer the devil by the word of their testimony. And then it says something about them, which is where each of us strives to get in our walk with God. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Well, let me help you. With that that doesn't mean they hated their lives all their life until they died. <laughs> It says they loved not their lives unto the death. That means when it came time where they were forced to make a choice between continuing to live in this world if they denounced Jesus Christ or saying you're just going to go ahead and have to shoot me because I'm not going to denounce him. Right. That all these people, they said you can take my life here because all you're doing is promoting me. Because mm. mm. real life was getting ready to start. When I'm done with this one down here. Now, that's a lot bigger than it, it is in the verse and a lot harder to acquire in our attitude than it is to say. That's what they did. Lord, I thank you for your word today and I thank you for your people. And Lord, we claim every benefit in this verse today. We plead the blood of Jesus. And today, Father, we ask you to use the word of this testimony to defeat the enemy in everybody's lives that's in this building right now. And to encourage them that you are the God that can change anything. Yes. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Yes. Alright, you can be seated. Now, the focus part of the verse today is that they overcame him by the word of their testimony, right? But the the principle, the thought that I want to share with you today is God can drop the charges. God can drop the charges, and I want to share one of my testimonies with you today. And this is gonna <coughs> there's gonna be a few of you today that when I share parts of this, and I'm like, oh, well, that explains some stuff. This will explain to you why I don't care about what anybody thinks about the way that I worship or I don't care if nobody else is doing anything at all. And the reason I don't care is because I don't know. I'm not paying attention to what anybody else is doing. I got my own worship going on. And it's the same way with praying, it's the same way with studying, it's the same way with serving God. I'm the oldest of seven in my biological family. And I say it that way because I've also inherited... One, two, three, four, five, thank you, she has to help me with this, five uh, stepsisters, never called them stepsisters, but five stepsisters and then a brother uh, that I, I'm the oldest. And my mother died of colon cancer when I was 23 years old. I'm going to be 57 this year. My mother passed away when she was 42. And I cannot imagine, you know, wife getting shut off. 42 years of age. I, I just think of the last 14 years of my life, and everything that I would have missed out on, and it just makes the tragedy of that even more real to me. But I'd already been in trouble several times by the time my mother passed away. I'd already been to prison once. I'd already uh, been hooked on drugs. I'd already been in trouble with the cops. When I was young... I lived in a a town called Love's Park. It was just in Outer West Chicago, Illinois. And when I was young, this is the honest-to-God truth, when they would hire a new police officer on the police force, they would bring that cop over to my house. And there were times where I'd be sitting out in the front yard with my mom or my dad or have a friend over, and the veteran police officer would get out of the car and bring the rookie up and introduce him to me and say, this is Arlis Rapier, Jr., You need to know who he is because sooner or later you will be arresting him. You will have a warrant out for his arrest. That was the rotten lifestyle that I lived. All the way through all that with all the bad decisions I made, my my daddy didn't make me do those things. Society didn't make me do those things. I didn't do those bad things because my daddy didn't buy me a Stretch Armstrong for Christmas when I was 12. Some of y'all know what that is, that's fine. Some of us do because we just had to find out how far you could stretch it before it busted. So that's why I remember Stretch Armstrong. But I didn't do any of the bad things I did because daddy didn't give me a Stretch Armstrong. I made bad choices all on my own. I didn't have to point at anybody else and say I did this bad thing because of them. I did it because I made that choice. But all the way through all those terrible things, I had one source of unconditional love, and that was my mother. Now, Mama didn't always approve of everything I did, but Mama always let me know, no matter how bad I was, Son, I still love you. I hate what you're doing, but I love you. And I hope you stop making bad decisions, but I'm going to love you as long as I'm living she didn't know then that she didn't have very much longer to live. and But she kept her word true. She loved me all the way until she left. But that was the only source of unconditional love I'd ever known. And I'm here today to tell you that the one thing in this world that God has put in this world that most resembles the unconditional love He has. Now, God has unconditional love, but His benefits are entirely Conditional. Let that sink in for me. His love is unconditional. He loved me when I was hooked on cocaine. He didn't like what I was doing, but He still loved me. If I'd have been the only one in the whole world when He was looking at Calvary, and I would have been on, on cocaine, He still would have went to the cross for me because He knew that cross was the only thing that could help me. But the closest thing to God's unconditional love is the unconditional love of a Mother. There ain't nothing like it. I can remember when school was out, and there were seven of us at home. I remember when I was growing up, I thought, man, my dad's tough. He never misses work. I mean, when he's sick, he goes to work, and he never missed a day of work in the summer. Then when I got old, I realized why. It's a lot easier to go to work with a flu than it is to stay home when you got seven kids out of school. <laughs> Some of y'all ain't got seven kids, but you feel like you do sometimes. Some of y'all got one kid, and sometimes that feels like you got seven kids. So now, when I got older, I was like, what, oh, Dad wasn't so tough after all. Mom was tough. Because Mom got stuck at home with all seven of them kids when school was out. But I remember sometimes I had a little, you know, it didn't take me long to develop a strategy when he was home. Dad would be at work all day, and I'd do things I shouldn't do. I know some I mean, of you having a hard time believing that. You know, do some things I wasn't supposed to be doing. And then somewhere, Dad would get home about 4 o'clock every day So somewhere about 2 o'clock. I thought it's a good time to get started, and I'd go in and say, hey mom, you need any help with any chores today? Hey mom, you need me to clean up the living room? I think you want me to vacuum? Hey mom, got something you need me to do? Because I just thought, you know, if I did some nice stuff for mom in the next two hours, maybe she wouldn't tell dad about all the bad stuff I did for all those hours before. Well, mom was pretty slick too, because one time she had me do all those things for about two hours, and I worked the whole time. Then I got done, and ten minutes later, dad comes through the door, and the first thing she does is tell him everything I did that day. My dad has his lunchbox in his hand, <laughs> and my dad wore a belt. I wear one, too. I don't have any kids at home, so I wear mine just to keep my britches up.
2: <laughs> and my
1: daddy's belt wasn't just to keep his britches up. Because when you got seven kids, and you spank them when they deserve it, when they deserve it, you don't spank them when they don't, but you're better when they do. Amen. Because if we don't teach our children there are consequences for rotten behavior, the Department of Corrections will. Yes, We have a duty to God to teach our children about consequences. But I say again, you don't spank them when they don't deserve it, but you're better when they do. And my daddy's belt was because when he got seven kids, your hand gets a hurting pretty quick. Because most times, at least four or five of them got something coming when they've been home all day with Mama. But she'd tell him everything I did, and I still remember today him putting his lunchbox on the kitchen table, going back through the living room, and he's going to get out of his work clothes, and I knew what was coming. He's going to get changed into his other clothes, but that belt wasn't going to be in the loops when he got out of that bedroom. And as soon as he disappeared, I looked at Mama, like, What are you doing? I just, did, I just worked for two hours. And then my mom looks right back at me. She goes, uh, go in the bedroom and put on some extra britches. Hurry! <laughs> I'm staying out of the room like, I wouldn't have to do all that if you hadn't a toll on me. But that is a perfect illustration of the love of a mother. Because a mom will love you enough to every now and then let you get your licking when you deserve it. But she'll still feel bad about it, even though she knows that you deserve it. That's why most moms, you know, most moms let the dads do it. Because they love so much they can't hardly do it themselves. An unconditional love of a mother. Well, my mother died, April 13th, of 1989, I was still out there, man. And the only source of unconditional love that I knew anything about, I didn't know nothing about God. I didn't grow up in a house with God. I grew up in a house where there was never no swearing. I grew up in a house where I can remember alcohol in the house one time and then it was never there again. I grew up in a house where there was never my dad yelling at my mom or my mom yelling at my dad. I grew up with all those bad things outside the house. But I grew up without the best thing in the house. So the only unconditional love I knew anything about was my mother and she was gone. <laughs> We're from Harlan County, Kentucky. Anybody's ever seen Justified? It's it's a real place, and there are real people there, and it is really bad in some spots, really dangerous in some spots. And I don't know if it is today, but back then it was a dry county. Well, I was on parole when my mother died. I called to tell my parole officer that I'm going to my mother's funeral. They're going to bury her in Kentucky. And my parole officer said, you ain't going. And I said, yes, I am. Click, see you later. And we came down, and we buried my mother in Harlan County, Kentucky, in one of the cemeteries there. And I went back, there was a warrant for my arrest, and after a little while I thought, I got nothing here anyway, and I left, and I knew my mother was dead, I stood at the gravesite when they put her in in the ground, but I didn't know where else to go, I didn't, there was nothing else for me, so I went back to Harlan County, Kentucky, I was only there for a couple weeks, (coughs) and then I remembered I had a friend that lived in Florida, so I left, got on a bus, Went to Florida, found my friend. My friend was an alcoholic, just like I was, Mike Ames. And, and we just get in trouble when he lived up in Illinois. I went down to Florida, and my mother's dead, and I already violated parole, and we really got in a lot of trouble. And then one night, we were at this bar, and this is in 1989, mind you, before the internet. Usually about five teenagers look at me all freaked out, like, what do you mean, before the internet? <coughs> you mean the internet? Uh, before the internet. Hmm. Yeah. And we was at a bar there one night, and uh, I I ran into a dude there, and I was trying to buy a quarter gram of cocaine. He said he had some. We went out to the truck, and he told me it was cocaine. I bought it from him. This is when crystal meth first came to the United States, and it was in Florida. It just started coming in, and it hadn't spread all the way across the country yet, and it was crystal meth. It wasn't cocaine. Well, later that night when the bar closed, I was zinging. And I thought, man, I'm going to get back in here and get me some beer. They might have closed it, but I know how to open it back up. So I tried to rob the place. I didn't know the owner of the bar lived behind the bar. So I got about halfway through that window just in time for her to come around the corner. And I just spent five hours in that place. So she looked at me, and I looked at her, and I started going right back out of that window. And I had to leave. Cops came. So I thought, I know what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to go back home. And in my head, home was Harlan County, Kentucky. So, I ran off from the bar. I got in these backwoods. I didn't know nothing about swamps in Florida. Didn't know anything about them at all. I get in these backwoods, and I just started heading north. And I'm back in these backwoods. There ain't nobody out there. There's nothing out there. I'm out there for, on my third day, I decided, you know what? I probably should sleep. I'd been awake for three straight days. I had no idea that it was crystal meth. We didn't know what crystal meth was. I'd been up for three days, and the only reason I tried to go to sleep because I realized I ain't slept in three days. Probably a good idea to try. Well, I'm walking along, I'm trying to find a good tree to lay under. I find one, I lay under the tree. I don't know how long I slept there. I woke up, it was day again. And I'm walking for a little while. I'm still in these backwoods, and it's swamps is what it is. I'm walking for a little while, and all of a sudden, I, I get this hitch on my arm. I scratch this itch on my arm. I go, I go a little bit further, and it itches again. I get a little further down the road, and itches again. And I scratch again. This time, I look like, what? not I? I look down, and I see half of a body of some kind of bug sticking on my arm. Huh. Now, I grew up in our west Chicago. I thought a tick was a nervous tick.
2: <laughs> the only tick
1: I ever knew about was somebody who used to do a lot of cocaine and he did this all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I had no idea there was a bug called a tick. Right. And I had no idea it was like something off of a scary movie that it wants to get inside you like an alien. Mm. Oh, wow. I grab hold of that bug? I was like, what the? And I pull that bug and I got about halfway out. It's actually up on my shoulder. I got, I got a scar there. I told our grandkids I got shot in the shoulder saving somebody, but it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a scar from a tick. <laughs> Pray for me. I need help. <laughs> so I pull that bug and I start pulling that bug out, and he gets about a little bit of ways out, and my arm gets tired. This thing ain't coming out. And I let go and it goes, pop, Look, like something popping in my ah, something's popping. I grabbed that thing again. I pull it again, I get like this. Up, I couldn't get it out. It went pop right back my shoulder. I'm freaked out. I'm like, I know what I got to do. I got to do a ramble. I got to find me a rock or a knife or something, man. I got to cut this thing out of here. I still didn't know what it was. All I knew was I was freaked out. Something tried to get in me. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do after it got in there. So I walked a little ways further. And I'm freaked out over this bug. And all of a sudden, I'm like, that that thing fell on me when I was under that tree. Mm-hmm. And I get a little bit further, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> ah! Yeah. I look at her everywhere. And I start pulling these things out of me. I'm Thank God I was in the back and nobody out there. I start pulling these bugs out of me. And I get them all out, except for this guy. I guess he had been there the longest. I, I know now they get bigger longer they're in there. And I get them all out, and I put my shirt in, and I walk about another hundred yards, and I'm like, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I was a streaker in the backwoods looking for bugs everywhere. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. Oh the only bug I couldn't get out was this one. So finally, I get to a property that's got the mold. you know them old uh, uh, wire fences you see on some properties in the country, and they're all rusted, and you can tell that that fence has long outlived whatever it's been up there to keep in. I mean, it's been there a long time. So I went up to this fence. I had a lighter on me, and I bit part of that wire out, and I took a rock. Right hand of God. I took a rock, started sharpening that, getting all the rust off that wire. And then, you know, I guess I'd watch me a mash or something on TV because I knew to cauterize it. And I took that lighter and lit the end of that wire up and got it all good red hot. And I pulled that bug out as far as I could. And I went up that thing went, like that. And the next thing I know, I wake up and I'm on the ground. Oh! And I get up like, what happened? Ah! He's doing it! I don't know how long I was there until I got that tick out. But that tick got out, and it left a hole in my shoulder. It's no exaggeration. Like, like that. So <laughs> four or five days, all I got in my head is I'm going back to Kentucky. I'm going back. The only thing I don't do is go to the last place that I have my mama. I don't know where else to go. I know I can't go home. There ain't no unconditional love up there. And I know my mom's not in Kentucky either, but I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to go. Today, a lot of the people, that act the way they do around us in this society we're living in, it ain't that they're crazy. Some are, but it ain't that all of them are. It ain't even that all of them are filled with hate. But most of them have no idea that there really is an unconditional love available to them. They don't know that. And if they have any idea of that, they've been told there's this big old list of things you've got to do and all hoops you've got to go through to get to where he is anyway. And a lot of them have been told you gotta get right before you can get God. They haven't learned the truth, because the truth is you gotta get God before you can get right. So the next time, you know, some of those people in your mind that you're looking at, it's like that just don't make no sense that they behave that way. I can't even that that, I can't comprehend God. (coughs) Most of the time the reason why is Because they don't feel like anyone can love them, or anyone does. They don't love themselves, and they certainly don't know there's a God that already (laughs) does, already does, loves them enough to say, "I love you in a million max," and then. Once they realize that and come to Him, love them enough to get them out of that mess. He, he doesn't just love us enough to love us while we're in the mess. He loves us enough that after we say, okay, if you love me, I want it. He loves us enough to help us walk up out of that mess. Because real love won't leave you in a mess. Right. Ain't a parent in this place that if your child let you, that you won't help your child get out of a mess that they made. Ain't a one of your parents that wouldn't do that for your children if they let you do it. He is a good, good father. And one of my favorite things to say right out of the Bible is it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. All of it. Not just parts, bits, and pieces. Not just remission of sins and the infilling of a spirit. That's not all there is to the kingdom. That's your birthday party. Happy birthday. Now you get to live in the kingdom and find out everything that's in there. And when you start finding out some of the stuff that's in this kingdom, it will blow your mind. And it's things that you thought before you can never have in your life. And you'll find out that not only can you have it, but as they say around here, it tickles God to give it to Mm -hmm. you. Mm That's a good father. <laughs> I give my kids stuff when they need help and when they want help the right way, but I got to be honest to you, it don't always tickle, right. but it tickles the father to help us, it does. So I finally make my way out of these woods, out of this swamp, I'm going to make my way back to Kentucky, I'm tired of walking, so first thing I do is find me a shopping mall, and I'm out in the parking lot. I start walking through the parking lot, and I'm looking for cars that appeal to me. And when I find one that appeals to me, I look through the window see if there's any keys in it. And I finally found me one. The car didn't appeal to me, but it was free, and I was tired of walking, and it had keys in it, so I stole the car. And hey, you know what? Let me stop right now, and I want to say something right now. If I could trade testimonies with any person in the kingdom of God that has no idea what any of this lifestyle is like, I would trade, I'd give you cash money and trade you. <coughs> I'm not glamorizing this lifestyle or these things. There's nothing glamorous about it. Sometimes you can look back and think, oh, well, that was wild and crazy. But when you're in it, yeah, it's wild and crazy and it's miserable.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: I'm afraid too many times we give testimonies in our churches and there's people out there and young people out there to listen to them. And they think, man, I ain't got no testimony. Man, I'd like to have a testimony. And they think, that's a testimony. No, that is a testimony, all right. But when you get that testimony, it takes things out of you. You pay for that testimony with some things you never get back. Yeah. I would much rather have the testimony that I've been in church all my life and don't know nothing else or I've been at church all my life. I might not have been in it all the time I've been at it, but I've been around it, and I don't know what it is to wake up hungover. I don't know what it is to have a warrant of my arrest. So you need to understand where I'm coming from today. I'm not glamorizing nothing, and I would swap with you in a minute. Yeah. And don't fall for the lie you don't have a testimony. Are you kidding me? Yeah. How many people in this world can say they don't know what it is to be drunk? How many people in this world today can say they don't know what it is to wake up and and realize you spent your grocery money? How many people can say today that they don't know what it is to have a warrant for their arrest? Not very many. That is a testimony. (coughs) So I take this car... I get out of the interstate. I don't know, man. I, I stole the wrong guy's car. I don't know if he didn't change his oil or what, but ha, I got maybe three hours up the road and I'm heading for Kentucky and I get to Valdosta, Georgia, and I'm on the interstate, and, and all of a sudden the car starts blowing blue smoke out the back, and it looks like you know, you know those trucks that go through the city spraying for mosquitoes. That's what it started looking like, and here I am. I, I got an attempted, uh, you know, attempted robbery at the bank, uh, so I know I got that on me, and, and I, I got violated parole in Illinois, and I'm in a car on in the interstate blowing blue smoke for what looks like five miles down the road. <laughs> you know, I can hold the sign up says, arrest me, <laughs> so I know I got to ditch this car. So I pull off the interstate in Valdosa, Georgia, and I pull into a mall, park the car, and you already know what it is. I went looking around for cars that appealed to me and then looked to see if there was keys in the car. What's funny, when I tell this part of my story in other places, I can usually see at least one or two people start looking to make sure they got the car keys. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes I get some other cards in my testimonies and women start pulling their purses closer. <laughs> and I'm in the pulpit. I don't know what the thing's going to happen. <laughs> so I find old Plymouth Fury. Uh, most of the youngsters probably have no idea what that is. Uh, back then, you know, they're starting to make real cars again. They're starting to make cars that have personality again. Instead of like most of the things from the 90s are just a, you know, a bubble. Now they're making cars that on the front looks like eyeballs in the face, some of them. And, you know, they actually sound. You can hear they're not all Priuses. It's amazing. Right. So I found an old Plymouth Fury back then, and I get in that car, and this guy took care of that car. Uh, they used to be the cop car back in the day. And the reason why is because them things shoof, could fly, baby. I got out on the interstate and that car could fly. Well, I didn't have no money for gas. So I would stop at gas station right off the interstate, pull on the fire pump, pump, pump the tank full of gas, put the hose back, boom, right off in the interstate without paying. You're welcome. I'm the reason that you have to use a card at the pump or go inside and pay right. the cash. Mm-hmm. I am. They didn't have that back then. I am. So... I'm on the interstate and I'm up in Georgia somewhere, and I see this hitchhiker on the interstate. And this dude's got long, crazy hair, the bandana, got a backpack on. This guy looks like Charles Manson. And I was like, brother! <laughs> so I pull over, I have to give this guy a ride. He's my people. <laughs> so I pull over and pick this dude up, and, and his name is Jake Chamberlain. This is 1989. I still remember his name. I pick this guy up. He's going all the way up north somewhere. And he's got a bag of pot, so hey, you don't need gas money. I got the gas covered, don't worry about that. <laughs> he's got the smoke, and I got the gas. So we stayed in the car, and we came all the way back to Harlan County, Kentucky. Now, again, I want to point out the only reason I came back to Harlan County. See, when you say it and you hear it, it's stupid. My mom's dead, the unconditional love is gone, it's not there. Some of the things we see people do in their lives that don't make any sense to us, and the only word that comes to mind is a proper word, stupid. They make stupid decisions because they're reaching in all the wrong places for something that's not there, and they don't know the thing they're looking for <coughs> is here. Let me say specifically and 100% truthfully, is here. What they're looking for is in here. But until they run into somebody that has what's in here, they're never going to know that. Until they run into somebody that loves them like they are, like we're taught in there, they're never going to know that. So we get all the way back there, we need some money. I'm like, I know what? It's a dry county. <laughs> We're going to go in the next county, buy some whiskey, and we're going to mark it up. We're going to make a lot of money right here. Well, my people live on Jones Creek in Harlan County, and they live in what's called a holler. Now, if you read National Geographic, it'll tell you that it's actually a hollow. It's the way Yankees say it. It's a hollow, and it was formed by glaciers from the ice age. When they melted, they came down on the mountain and took a groove out of the mountain. But they're really called a holler because back in the day when... Federal agents would come to bust them for moonshine. When you go up that mountain in a holler, it goes round round <coughs> and round until you get all the way up to the top. Well, the reason they call it a holler is because when those federal agents would pass by the first house on the bottom, they'd come out on the porch and holler and say, Raveners! See, so y'all looking at me like, I don't know if that's true or not. Google it. It's true, it's a holler. And all the people that did all the illegal stuff didn't live on the bottom. They didn't even live just part of the way up. They lived up at the top. And the reason why was because they had plenty of time before those revenueers could get to where they were to hide everything. So not knowing any of that, we went to the next county and bought a case of whiskey. We come back. We're like, I know what I'm going to do. It's that e. Coyote. That's a super genius idea. I know what we're going to do. We're going to go just about halfway up that mountain because the bootleggers lived on top. And it's a dry county, which means that it has more alcoholics per square foot than counties where alcohol is legal. If you don't believe that's true, Google that. You'll find out. When they make something illegal, everybody's got to have it. So we parked that car on this side of the road because they're... Wasn't no parking on this side of the no, road. No, they showed No, there wasn't. And we parked that car right on that side of the road, and we would catch those those people that would go to buy that whiskey. We'd catch them on their way up to the bootlegger. Hey! Why go all the way to the top? Look at this! We got we got store ball right here. This ain't gonna make you go blind. This come from a store. This is legal whiskey right here. And so we sold right out of that car for two or three days, then had to go buy another case. We come back. And I made the tactical error when I parked on that side of the road of facing my car up the mountain. We're there about two more days, and all of a sudden, squad car comes. Now, I didn't find this out until later. I still say this is wrong. But I found out later, the cop got called by the bootlegger the bootlegger on top of the mountain knew didn't all his customers find religion in the same church service and just stop drinking whiskey all at the same time something had gone on and he had driven by where we were and seen us selling it out of the car so he went home and called the cops and the reason he did is because he would already paid those same cops for protection which is why those people, the drunks could walk all the way up that mountain and buy their whiskey with no fear of getting stopped before or after they bought the whiskey so this cop pulls up and I jump in the car. Jake jumps in the car, and we're headed up the mountain. We're aimed up the mountain. I put my foot on the gas pedal, that Plymouth Fury. And I'm trying to get away from a cop by driving up the mountain. Wiley e. Coyotes. <laughs> and we go around this curve right by Verde Baptist Church, actually, go right across this wooden bridge, and there's a part of a, a turn off that goes like this and around a house, so I didn't know it come to the end. And I just knew that that went all the way up. And we we're far enough ahead of the copper, I thought, we'll take this left and he'll never find us. Well, I took that left and I come right around that curve, and all there is around that curve is the side of the mountain mm-hmm. and a house right here. Who puts a house? That was my cousin. That's your cousin? That's my cousin. Well, tell her I've changed. <laughs> I right. will. Tell her, tell her you know the guy. Trust <laughs> <laughs> me. They still talk about that <laughs> guy, didn't they? related <laughs> to them, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. like that? And Stacy's my second cousin, so uh, it was my third, 35th cousin's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so we pulled the car right up to this mountain. It's a mountain in a house, and i got to say again, relative or not, why would you put us there? I've done that. So I stop the car. I get out of the car. The cop pulls behind me, jumps out of the car, freeze. Now, look, back in 1989, they didn't shoot you if you ran away. I'm just saying. Now, I'm for the cops. I support the blue. And if you don't, next time you're in trouble, call a crackhead and see how that works out. All right. Oh, wow. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying. People want to run their mouth and say they hate cops. Yeah, until you got to call 911 when you're in trouble. You don't hate them no more. I support the police. But back then, they could not shoot you for running, and I was well aware of my rights. So this guy yelled, freeze, I'm already running. All I saw was a row of trees. And I yelled back over my shoulder, yeah, I'm freezing. And I turned around, and I report poor Jake. <laughs> I pulled the car right up that mountain, in his car, he couldn't get out anyway. I didn't care. I wasn't the kind of guy that cared about nobody else back then. Uh-huh. I start running for that tree line, I'm thinking, I'd get in them trees, man, and they'll never catch me in the woods. All I knew, I didn't know that it was not woods, that there's a tree line right there, and about 15 feet in that tree line, it's open air, and about a 10-foot drop in the water. And I go through that tree, and I look like Fred Flintstone. You know those cartoon characters? They go running, they go up a mountainside, and all you see, you see their legs going, Wee! Like this, and then you see their body go and their necks long and their eyes are bugged and poof, down they go. That's exactly what happened to me. And all I knew was, hey, I swim. And I'm thinking I'm in this river, like in the Rocky Mountains, you know. And I'm yelling, Aah! I'm thinking now I want a cop. Hey, I'm freezing. You can come help me now. Arrest me until I realize. That the part of that river or creek or whatever it is is only about two two feet two feet deep <laughs> and I've fallen the mud and I'm like, Oh <laughs> and I stand up and it was only, you know, maybe up to my waist. So I follow the wildly coyote. I follow that, that river, that that I still don't know if it's a river or creek. I ain't gone back to look frankly. <laughs> and so I follow that thing around the mountain and I think I'm out of here, man. They never gonna find me. Well, the only problem was, I went the wrong way. Right back up the mountain. So finally, I got tired of being in that creek, Jones Creek right there. It was cold, there were snakes everywhere, and I finally just come out of the creek, and I said, come over here! I thought, at least it's early enough, I might get supper when I go to jail. They arrested me, they got Jake, go to jail, wake up the next day, hungover, and all I can think is, man, I'm going away for a long, long time. They take me to jail like second or third day. I get in front of a judge, and he's in this, in this, the thing is this high. You know, to me it felt like I'm looking up like this, but he was up there and they take me in front of this guy, and he's reading the papers, he shuffled his paper back and forth, and he looked down at me and he shuffled his paper and looked down and he wouldn't say nothing. And then I finally I said, Well, and he looked down at me and he said, you don't talk in my courtroom unless I tell you to. Boy, I see up where I'm from, you call another man boy and you're saying, uh, are you going to do something? Because those fighting words. And he liked down here, you know, they're the boys or they're my boys and all that. That's an insult up there. So when he said that to me, I, I, he was being mean, but I thought he was insulting me. So finally he read off my charges to me. and He said, uh, "He said, Boy? You're wanted in Illinois, you got violation of parole, that's at least three years. And he said, and there was a gun in the car, so we have possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. And I don't think, I had a gun. I find out it was Jake that had the gun. Then he said, Florida wants you for an attempted robbery and Grand Theft Auto. Georgia wants you for Grand Theft Auto. And he said, no. And the first time he smiled. It's the only time he ever smiled, any time I went in front of him in court, and he said, George has got a chain gang. Grinned at me real big. about like me. <laughs> Grinned at me real big. And then he said, and we've got you for possession of a st- had write all this down so It's Slot charges. Possession of a stolen vehicle. Possession of alcohol in a dry county. Bootlegging. Possession of a firearm by a felon. And drug possession, I thought. He said he was out. There he is. He had a gun, and he really had pot left, and he was lying about all of it. He said, Illinois, you're going to do at least ten years... In each one of these states, you're going to do at least 10 years in every state. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's about right, and that'll be good if that's all I get. And he wasn't talking about you get a 10-year sentence, and you serve a year and a half, and you get to go home with a bracelet on your ankle. Come on, 10 years. And I'm standing there thinking, I deserve it. That's what I did. I've earned this. So, go back to my cell. Jake goes to court. He comes back. And all these people in this cell block are people that are in jail and going to go to prison. And the way this cell block is set up, it's a room just square like this. Come in the other door. For, it's not open like that. <laughs> but that's the door on the other end. On this end, there'll be a spigot on the wall, and that's your shower. And there ain't no curtain. There ain't no walls. You got a spigot on there, and that's your shower. And then on this wall, there'll be a door right here, and there would be two um, metal slabs that are bolted into the wall and that's for each one of the two inmates and sheriffs. It's uh, four feet by eight. It's eight feet long, and you can take your arms like this and touch both sides, even as short as I am. And then there's another cell there and another cell there, and there was eight cells on the walls, so there were 16 of us uh, that was in that cell block. And we're in there, and I'm thinking, man, I'm gone for a long, long time. And we've been in there for about a week, and all of a sudden one night it's about... Uh, it's about 5.30, 6 o'clock, and they feed you early in jail because they like you to starve all night. I'm pretty sure that's why. It's the only answer I can come up with. So they feed you like 3 o'clock. You spend the rest of the night wishing <coughs> you had more jail food. Let me tell you, you know you're hungry when you wish you had more jail food. And you know you've been in there for a while when you'll fight for more jail food. So it's about 5.30, 6 o'clock, somewhere like that. And all of a sudden, we hear keys coming down the hallway. And that was unusual because they didn't come around and check on us hardly at all. That was a place that really didn't care about the inmates that were in there. So the keys are coming down the hallway, and we don't know what for. And all of a sudden, that door opens in the corner, and I'm not being mean here. This is a true visual of what we saw. The door opens. The guard pokes his head through. Y'all going to have some fun tonight, boys? And he puts his head back and like, oh, okay, what's that all about? And the guard tells you you're going to have fun not gonna have fun, so he pulls his head back out the door, and all of a sudden, and I'm not being mean, this is what happened. We see a belly and a guitar come through the door, and that's all you could see at first. Because this dude, I, I'm not tall enough to put my hand how big this man was, but he was a giant. And this giant came through the door, and he was so big, he had a guitar, and he rested most of it on his belly. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can imagine how big a fellow's got to be to rest a guitar on his belly, he was a mountain of man. He comes through, and we're like, what in the world? And then three or four more guys come through. And then we realize it's preachers. We all look around at each other. And this guy comes through the door, uh, brother guitar, we'll call him that. Brother Guitar comes through the door and, and he comes through and they get out in the middle and he starts banging on that guitar. He don't even wait to get through any kind of any kind of notes or nothing. He just top of his lungs, throws his head back and says, Ha away, oh glory. I hear all of us harden. Ex-convicts, almost every one of us, look at each other like, we wish you would fly. Why are you doing it? <laughs> He's just having them a good old time. We all look at each other like, we know what we'll do. And all of us went in ourselves, shut that door, and I'm in the cell with Jake, and we high-five each other like, ah, we're so damn preachers. We outsmarted them preachers. They ain't going to be doing that up in here. And it was quiet for about two minutes. And then all of a sudden, we hear... I'll fly away. And me and Jake are looking at each other like all the crazy people are supposed to be in here. <laughs> uh, uh. When everybody, when you show up and everybody leaves, when you start to play and sing,
3: that means they don't want to hear you. You
1: ain't supposed to stay there and play and sing. Well, not only did he stay there and play and sing, I'll fly away all the way through, but when he was done... Somebody read a chapter and a verse and started preaching, and none of us were out there to listen. But in all fairness, they had a real life. I know this is bad. You're gonna appreciate this mm-hmm. captive audience.
3: Yes, they. I know that was yeah, bad.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh,
2: okay.
3: yeah.
1: See, where was we gonna go? See, I didn't know nothing about the Bible then, Peg. But I don't know now the Bible says. That when we share his word, God said it won't come back void. It will do what God purposed it mm-hmm. to do. It's not free to do. I didn't have to be out there. I didn't even have to listen to all of it. He knew this word was alive, and if he just did his job, God would do God's job. I want to encourage somebody today. All of us got people in our lives that for all appearances, it seems like they ain't listening to a word we got to say. That it's falling on deaf ears and they ain't caring. They don't have to. They don't have to respond. It'd be a lot easier if they did. It'd be a lot more encouraging if they did. But they ain't got to. Because once we release that word, it is a lie and it's got life in it and when we speak it it's going to go with them and they can act like they didn't hear it they can act like they didn't care about it they can act like the next day they forgot everything we said but that word is not going to come back empty so you know what you do we know what we do don't we we just keep speaking that word we just keep sharing that word because sooner or later something is gonna happen because it's alive. Well, uh, we didn't know nothing about that, and all we knew was they were letting these crazy preachers in here, and we know prisoners got some kind of rights. Do we have to have this? Can we not stop this? He preached his message. I don't remember what he said. Then they left and we all come out and a, a quiet lock? That's an oxymoron. Now that's not a clean dummy. Oxymoron means there's two words put together that are kind of opposite. Don't? Some of you get that later. Up, the oxymoron, <laughs> and They don't make no sense again. So the word quiet cell block don't make no sense. Because somebody's always yelling. Somebody's always talking in a cell block. But they wasn't talking when we came out of the cells then. We were just looking at each other like, what's that? What was that? A few days go by. Forgot all about it. Next Thursday, I still remember the day. <laughs> Next Thursday, come along, keys come down the hallway, and everyone was looking, like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Man, I hope some of us get shipped off tonight. Just don't let it be to them preachers Door opens, head pops in, you boys gonna have fun tonight. I hated that jailer back then. <laughs> the head goes by, in comes the belly and the guitar. Gets about eight steps in, plants both his feet. Ah, it's the only song the man knew. Either that or he knew much how much we hated hearing him sing it because that's all he ever sang. And they did the whole thing again. We went back in the cell. And now we ain't high-fiving because we're not sure these crazy guys are going to stop. We're in the cell for a minute. It's quiet. He finished his whole song this time. I don't know if he had to be encouraged by one of his buddies who was with him. Hey, do the whole song this time. But he did every song, the whole song, every verse. And then, quiet a the minute, preacher starts preaching again. Don't remember what he said. He gets done. Dude does an altar call. Like, who are you talking to? Do you really think I'm going to open this jail cell and come out there and say, Yes, preacher, would you please pray for me? See, that's who I was then. You understand? This disrespectful tone I just used right now, that's the man I was back then. And that's the way I saw all that. Like, your out way ain't going to help me. I've been an addict for the last 10 years of my life. Seeing an out-fly way ain't going to do nothing for me, preacher. And your Bible stories can't help me. They can't change what's in here. Because, see, I've been around some preachers before. I've been in some vacation Bible schools, and I've had people say, Oh, look, this God is so powerful that he keeps the sun just far enough away so it don't fry us, but it ain't too far so we don't freeze. He's so awesome. He knows when a sparrow dies and falls to the earth. He's that powerful. that He's full call this into existence. And then when those preachers get done, they say, Now, if you want this God in your life, raise your hand. And I was a kid, and I thought, Who in the world would want that in your life? I'll take some of that. And then the preacher goes, Now, we're going to pray, but don't worry when you don't feel that. You just got to believe you showing up. Mm. But I'm like nine years old. Jesus. I'm like, Now, oh, wait a minute. He just spent an hour telling me he's so powerful, he keeps the sun where it's supposed to be. He spent an hour telling me he's so powerful, he could say a word and stuff just go, boom, there it is. And now you're going to tell me when he comes in my little bitty nine-year-old heart, I ain't even going to know he's there? I never come up front for those prayers because even as a kid, I wanted a God I knew was there. Yeah. So this preacher, I'm like, none of that's going to help me. I, I done had that God, and I don't want none of that God. I need to change, and I know I can't change myself. So a couple days go by, and now I've been to court. go back in front of the judge. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm almost there, I promise. I'm getting there. I uh, get to the court, <clears throat> and the judge looks down, and he says, Boy, we ain't paying one more dime. We have to, to keep your carcass in. in Kentucky Department of Corrections. We're dropping our charges. And I was like, oh yeah. And I did it too, I was like, I got 10 years gone, baby. I ain't gonna be a you know, real old man when I get out now. And he looks young and goes, Don't be happy though. Illinois is still wants it, Florida is still wants it, Georgia is still wants you know what he said already. And they got a chain gang. I went back to my cell. I got 30 years. I'm like, well, 30 years, okay. Alright. Well, before the next Thursday night come along. We devised a plan, Travis. See, there were several wily coyotes in that smokebox. Oh, we were gifted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gifted. It wasn't our fault we got arrested. We were gifted. <laughs> we decided this time, Nathan, when uh, the preachers showed up, old Brother I'll Fly Away shows up, <laughs> we were all going to stay right out there, sitting on them. It's a picnic table, basically, is what they are. They're an iron picnic table with a uh, the bench on each side. And, oh, we'll stay out there. Let them preach till they get laryngitis. You know when they get done? And they do their little come up and get this God you'll never feel thing. And we all sit there. And next week they won't come back. That's what we'll do. So Thursday night comes. Keys come down the hallway. Hey, you boy. Yeah, okay. Beat it. Brother Guitar comes through the door. Plants his feet. Ha, oh, He did. I promise he did. And then when every one of them sees it, we're not going nowhere, the preacher that had been preaching starts to the brother and I'll fly away. Hey, that's good brother, that's good, that's good. Next week, next week. He was so excited that there was actually somebody to preach to that he could see. He, he made brother I'll fly away stop on the first verse. He's going to have to sing that somewhere else. I got some real people out here that I can preach to. Now, I don't know what the man said. I never could tell you what the man said. But all I know was when he started out, we're sitting on the, the bench like this, our feet up on the thing, and we're just looking at him, all of us rough backs, all of us jail tattoos everywhere, just eyeballing him, man. And all I know, I don't know how much longer later it was, but the next thing I know, I'm on the floor, it's minutes. See, I started that a long time ago. <laughs> I got my face on the floor, yeah. and I'm blowing bubbles. I'm torn to pieces. I'm sobbing. I'm bawling like a baby. And my face is in this pile that I've been crying in. So I really even got no idea how long I've been crying on that concrete floor. But when I finally came back to myself, all I could think of, when these preachers leave, these other guys gonna kill me. Because, you know, we'd seen plenty of jailhouse religion. And we'd seen plenty of what happens to people that get jailhouse religion when the rest of the cell block don't. So... I finished blubbering, snotting, and before I lift my head, I learned for the first time that you actually feel better after doing that. Mm. I never felt better after doing that before. And I lift my head, and I'm thinking, I'm going to die tonight. They're going to beat me to a pulp. I'm going to die tonight. And I get on my knees, and I open my eyes, and I look, and everybody in that cell block is down on their knees Mm. with their face on the concrete crying just like I was except for Jane Chamberlain. You see, we just keep sharing what we know is real. That's all our job is. Sometimes, when you love somebody, it's hard to not to want to see the harvest right away because you know how awesome... Their life's going to be after they get it. And that's all you want for them. That's all you've ever wanted. Because you know how awesome it is because you got it.
0: So you want that for them too because you know when they
1: get it, they're going to be like, why did you make me wait so long? This is awesome. What we forget is the Bible says one plant, one Mars, and God gives the increase. So see, you're there, and you shared what you know is real, and you can tell by their eyes if they know it's real too. But You want to see a harvest, and who doesn't? But we might be the planter. And sometimes, some folks can stretch out the time between when that seed's planted and when they let somebody else water it. It can be a long time. God wants it to happen right then, because it's not as well as you perish, but some people, I did, got planted and then went... Push that watering session way off down the road. So don't be discouraged. The seed you're planting is alive. It works. It's real. Don't get discouraged. Don't stay discouraged. You're going to get discouraged in this thing. Don't stay discouraged. Because the watering has to happen. And God will give the increase. So keep sharing And, you know, if you've already planted a seed, and you come back later, might you not also be the waterer? You put a seed in the ground right away, and just take that jug, and it's got a gallon of water in it, and just hold that thing over top that seed, you're going to wash that seed right out of the ground and somewhere else in the yard. And it's going to sit on top of the dirt, and the sun's going to come out, like Jesus said, and fry it, and it's never going to be a harvest. So when you plant that seed, no matter how they receive it, walk (coughs) away from there saying, Jesus, I'm a co laborer in this harvest process, and I've planted So Lord, I don't care who waters. It don't have to be me. You can let somebody I don't even know come to water. The Lord let that seed be watered. Because once it's watered, the increase is next. So keep doing your job. And you will see a harvest if that person allows God to do it. So we're all on the floor. We lift our heads. The wholesale block of hardened criminals except Jake Chamberlain. That's why... It don't bother me when I preach somewhere. There can be 15 people that act like they're not listening to a word i got to say when I make eye contact with <laughs> You'd be surprised what people do when you're in the pulpit and you're looking out there. Some of them do that. But I don't know if you've noticed or not, It don't faze me. I know what my job is. And anybody that works that hard to act like you ain't getting me, preacher.
3: <laughs>
1: kind of lying. Kind of telling on themselves. Because if wasn't nothing happening, they wouldn't be putting all that effort to make it look like wasn't nothing happening. <laughs> so our job is to share that living word. So there's always a Jake Chamberlain. There usually is. Don't let him base you this word. is a lie. So... They pray with us. First time I ever heard anybody speak a language they didn't understand. I didn't understand. Freaked me out. I didn't know what it was, but I didn't know what anything was. Ain't it amazing how many people say something's wrong and you know good and well they don't know what anything is? Mm-hmm. By God, I've never read the Bible, but that right there is wrong. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. You, know, you wouldn't give your car to somebody who don't know how to work on one. Some of us have. Mm-hmm. We didn't know it when we did it because guess what they said? I can work on it. They worked on it. We found out they couldn't work on it. That's why some people are their Bible opinions. My great, 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 great—do great. you don't even know who that was? Inform all your beliefs on somebody has been dead for 953 years, huh? You can't get discouraged. This thing is a lie. So they pray for us. They all leave, and we're all like, "Whoa, this is real." And the first thing goes to your mind: If this is real, I'm in trouble. Whoa. Yeah. God's real. I'm in trouble. I know how bad I am. we got to do something here. we got to fix this. So these preachers kept coming back and they handed out Bibles. Look, we didn't know what verses was in the Bible. When you write down and put John and put a number and put a colon and put 16 after it, somebody that's never read a Bible is going to be, what in the blazes is John 3, colon (laughs) 16? Is that Morse code? What is that, John 3, 16? (laughs) We take things for granted. We didn't know what anything was, but we didn't know that that works in your favor. It's a whole lot easier to learn something right the first time and learn it right from the book than it is to have to relearn something because what you've been taught ain't in the book or it's in only one place in the book and there's something opposite of that in 55 places. It's a lot easier when you don't know nothing and you got a book and you got <laughs> plenty of time to read. Then <laughs> we started reading the Bible. All of us did except for Jake Chamberlain. Started reading the Bible. We learned about fasting in jail. That's why I said, I'm so proud to eat and I know how hard it is to fast in jail. That food's terrible, but hunger is terribler. When you can put that tray back through the slot in jail because you're fasting, that's fast fasting counts with God. So we learned about fasting. And we started fa- Everybody in here just spot knows There's two things I'm going to do to you if I get a chance. I'm going to baptize you, and I'm going to teach you about fasting if you don't learn nothing else from me. And that's because I've learned the power in both of them. And we started fasting in there. Wednesday, we sent that tray back through, and that guard's like, oh, what y'all doing, a hunger strike? It ain't going to work. We don't care if starving here. Like, no, this ain't no hunger strike. We're fasting today. What? We're fasting today. We started fasting together. And then there's only one thing to do. Well, the major thing you do in jail is watch TV that television up high in the corner and we watch TV all day. And when you're in a men's cell block, you try to watch shows you got most of girls on them because guess what? You ain't seeing none nowhere else. So we'd watch all the shows that people watch now and pretend Jesus wouldn't have a problem with it. It always gets quiet when I say that. We'd watch all those shows because we didn't get to see no girls. Well, when we started reading some of these red words and we started read that verse that says when you look on a woman yeah. to lust after her you've already committed adultery
2: in your heart it's
1: like, a flaw. okay I'm trying to get right with God we started watching different shows and there were some nights we'd have to say nothing but nasty stuff on did I say that out loud I did didn't I? <laughs> so we started shutting the TV off stopped watching nasty stuff and guess what What none of us asking God to get us out of jail go back to court again, stand in front of the judge, and I've been telling God already, Lord, I know you got something for me to do. I know there's something for me to do. So they drop charges in Kentucky. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll try to minister, tell people about you when they get in Illinois prison. I'll try to tell them in the Georgia prison in the chain game. I'll try to tell them in the Florida prison. I get called back to the judge. He looks down at me and says, boy, Illinois called. They dropped all your charges. They don't want to pay your extradition fees. Say when they haul a transit haul, <laughs> haul a convict across state lines, you got to pay the state that you're going across. You got to pay them an extradition fee. That's in insurance in case a guy escapes for damages. True story. Google it. They said they don't want to pay to extradite you. So they dropped their charges. So I go back to the jail. I'm thinking, okay, God must want me to minister in the prisons in Florida. And he must want me to minister on that chain gang that judge keeps telling me about in Georgia. So, I come back a week later. He calls me back to court again. He looks down at me. And he said, Florida's dropped all your charges. He said, I don't know what's going on. And then he says, and I knew what was coming. Don't get happy. Georgia still wants you. And I'm like, I know, I know. And they got a chain gang. He took a lot of pleasure out of that. He said, you're going to have some hard time to serve. I said, it's all right, Your Honor. And that judge could even tell that by now the man standing in front of him was behaving a whole lot different than the one that stood in front of him on the first day was because now I wasn't belligerent anymore. Now I was out enough to say I'm going to get what I deserve. I can't complain about it and be mad at somebody else about it. I did this to me. Well, I go back. I tell everybody what's going on. And we all have prayer in the middle of the cell block. And we're all thanking God that, well, my ministry must obviously be in Georgia on a chain gang. We're thanking God. I don't know anybody ever thanked God for I have never gone to a chain game before, but we all did. The 68th day that I'd been in jail, I get called to court. The judge looks down at me. His whole face is red. And he's mad, madder than usual. And he looks down at me and he says, Boy, I've never seen anything like this in my courtroom before, and I can't tell you why. But Georgia just called, and they've dropped the charges. And it took a minute for that to sink in. Because when we started, I had 40 years. I should still, if I got what I deserved, would still be in prison in one of those four states. It would not be getting out until 2029, 40 years. And he says, they've dropped all the charges, and I'm still trying to to wrap my brain around that I'm not going to prison anywhere. And then he says, but you better be out of my city and out of my county tonight. I said, yes, sir. Now... You pay attention real good on this. I'll let you go home. <laughs> you say, Brother Arliss, that's a really good, powerful story for you. I'm glad God did that for you, Arles. That's really cool. And there's some of you now that have loved ones that, that got court dates coming, and I'm aware of that. And you've been praying and asking God to have mercy. And I'm aware of that. God's aware of that too. So for you, now you know when I tell you that God can do anything, I know that God can do anything. But the reason this applies to everybody today is because you need to know that God can drop the charges against you. He say, wait, hold up, dude. I... I ain't bootlegged, I ain't, I ain't, I no, okay. You may never spit on the sidewalk. You may never jaywalk. You may be that person that finds something outside of, in a parking lot, in a store, and walks it all the way back in. <laughs> you may be a good person. But when you were born into this species, when you were born into this human race, you were born into a species that has sin already. We're not accountable for those sins until we understand what they are. That's why I got no problems when people ask me questions, tell them the truth. You don't baptize babies in the Bible, baby don't know what sin is. You can't get rid of sin until you repent of it. You can't find a verse that don't first say, "Repent, baby." Can't repent. Wouldn't know what to repent of if it could. Every one of us are born into a life that, sooner or later, we're going to become aware of the fact that there is sin in this life that I was born into, and somewhere along the way i picked up a few myself. But God can drop the charges that are against you. Now see, God hasn't dropped the charges if you've not acknowledged those charges. It's kind of like being in jail and having somebody put up your bail money and then not getting out. They ain't anybody ever been in jail, have the jailer come down and say, Hey, your mama, put up the bail money. And have them say, Oh, no, I just said, It's okay. I know they made my bond. I'm just going to live like I've been living. Uh-uh. <laughs> you get bonded out of jail. <laughs> Hold up. Hey, you can have my cookies. You can have my coffee. Hey, I'm out. And then they take you into this room, and you know what you do when you get in that room? You, I like this part. You take off your jail clothes. Look, you ever see anybody out on the street and they still got their jail outfit on? They didn't bond out. You ever see anybody still living the same nasty old way they've always lived? And they tell you that God's dropped the charges against them. God ain't dropped no charges, they ain't been bonded out. Because when you come to God and you invite God into your life, God's going to help you change some things that you've been wanting to change all along anyway. You're going to get out of them jail clothes. And you're going to put your free clothes on. (laughs) See, man, I've been in church for a long time now, you big goober. I've been coming to this place and listening to you preach for a year. And you're going to talk to me about God can drop the charges against me. What are you talking about? I've had that day. We need to have that day. What do they say? Every day, all day. Yeah. I read that somewhere. Because we can do some things along the way without even intending to, to pick up some more charges. People can't be hateful, bite somebody's head off for no reason. Charges. If we don't go back and apologize, charges. Mean attitude, rotten spirit charges Looking at that dumb phone for hours on end Got 500 hours on Facebook And read the Bible for 30 seconds On the same phone I'm done Facebook Okay, can you stand with me? So here's what I'm going to ask Okay. Here's what I'm going to ask. you have going to plant some seed along the way, and you've gotten discouraged. Well, that's the seed planting business. It gets discouraging. But the trick is learning how not to stay discouraged. You need to talk to God. Just let God know, Lord, I'm just going to keep planting. Lord, I'm just going to keep watering. I'm just going to keep doing what I do, and I'm not going to get a bad attitude over it. And I'm not going to look at that person I've been trying to reach for you and just get to the place where I'm like, well, they just don't want it. And not talk to him anymore either. Or you're here today, and you ain't ever asked God. Never come to God and say, Lord, will you drop the charges against me? I'm sorry. And I know you can. I need you to drop the charges. If you're here today, when you got baptized, you were under that water so long there was bubbles. When you pray, you sound like an Indian gas station. You know somewhere along the line you picked up some stuff and you need God today, just drop some charges. Have you been away from a little while? That's as far as I'm going. Because I have a covenant with God that when I share his word, I don't spend 20 minutes trying to get lucky and guess whatever it is somebody might be feeling. That's not my job. God has talked to you today, and you want to talk back, I'm going to ask you to come to the front this morning and talk to God. Good. Lord, for the progress
0: to this young
1: I thank you, I you man, Father God. thank for you for the changes you've made in this life. Lord Nathan has shared his testimony. How much he changed me, Father. You <laughs> and I thank you, Lord, that he dropped those charges when he went under that water in the name of Jesus.
0: And he came out me of that
1: water during those charges were against him, Lord, and been set free of
0: this is a new day, and Nathan's
1: got some stuff that he wants to be free.
0: He's
1: got some charges he wants you to drop. So I ask you today, Lord, to let Nathan have a brand new cover. Lord. Let the love of Jesus cover his soul, Father. new.
0: Let it cover him
1: from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet,
0: brand new again. I pray right now, Father, that you continue to help. Lord, you know, God, Lord, I know his cousin was on his heart way. so bad. She's walked away from
1: him. So Lord, when Nathan oh, prays you for
0: her, we ask
1: God me. to go right where she is. Let her feel the Holy Ghost.
0: Nathan
1: feels that burden on his heart for her. Go right where she before is and let her feel the Son of Orange can remember what it was like to be in your house. When she goes to bed at night, Father, let the question come across her mind: what if this is my last night in this world? I ask you, Lord, to with
0: her heart.
1: Deal with her heart, Speak her name, Lord.
0: So I'll stay
1: all of you to help us pray for Ethan. <clears throat> We're just going to ask God to go right where He is right now. How's that? Yes. Lord, I thank you, Father, for this grandmother's love for her grandson. I thank you, Lord, that she lives faithfulness. And she lives unconditional love for that boy. I plead the blood of Jesus over him right now. And I ask you Father to visit him even right now. I ask you to let him feel peace right now in the middle of a place that's nothing but chaos and turmoil, Father. I ask you, Lord, when he fasts, Father, Lord, to receive that fast, Father. I ask you today, Lord, when he prays to hear him, when he opens that Bible, Father, talk to him out of that book, Lord. Now, thank you, Lord. I ask you, mighty God, to fill that young man with the Holy Ghost, Father, right like in that jail, Lord. Fill him with the Holy Ghost, Father. Today we ask you to open the door to that
0: chamber.
1: Open it, Father, like you did Paul and Silas. We're asking you to open it so we can go in, Father, um, so we can bring these truths right where they are. Um, and I pray right now for my sister's husband. ask you, Lord, to touch his body. ask you, Lord, to give him a healing in his heart and also in his body, Father. Lord, you would touch him, God. You would take away headaches, Father. You would take that tumor away, God, and you would give this man a miracle in his body. Thank you, Lord. Honor my sister's love for you, God. Honor her face in this, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just physical, but also emotional and spiritual. And we got one more thing to do before we go. It's not spiritual at all. It kind of is. When you get as old as Lori is, birthdays kind of make you consider eternity. But it's Lori's birthday today. So why don't you help me? Oh, we're going to do better than that. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you.
3: Happy birthday, dear Lord. Happy birthday to you. All
1: right, God bless everybody. we glad you're here today. If there's somebody here new you ain't shook sure hands with you yet, change that for you, Lee. you all dismissed in Jesus' name. Have an awesome week this week.